Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today we are doing author conversations with Nicole Glover. Mariner Books published The Undertakers, the second book in Nicole Glover's Murder and Magic series, today. Publishers Weekly calls Glover a writer to watch, and her skill is apparent in this suspenseful historical fantasy, one that also answers the call, hashtag, we need diverse books. NPR's Lulu Garcia Navarro called Glover's first book, The Conductors, a history buff's dream fantasy novel, and also a fantasy geek's dream history novel. The book also caught Queen Latifah's attention, who acquired the film rights. Quotes, I was captivated by the world Nicole created. We are eager to tell a story that will drive forward the importance of diverse and inclusive storytelling. Close quotes. That book set the stage for the story of Hedy Rhodes, a conductor on the Underground Railroad who helped usher dozens of people north with her wits and magical powers. Now that the Civil War is over, Hedy and her husband, Benji, have settled in Philadelphia, solving murders and mysteries that white authorities won't touch. In The Undertaker's fires have erupted in the city, and the roads are investigating a fiery death that doesn't quite make sense. When it becomes clear that the death is connected to another death, they suspect the fires might be linked to recent community events and begin to realize that even the most powerful enchantments can't always protect you from the ghosts of the past. Before I bring up our conversation, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast means a lot to me. Easiest way is to buy me a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps me feel more relevant and keeps me motivated to produce more episodes. So I thank you. The link will be in the show notes. Also, I've upgraded to being a Libro.fm affiliate. I don't know what that means yet, and I don't have a separate link yet. Still working that out, but that's beside the point. I believe in Libro.fm because a portion of the proceeds goes to your own local bookstore. Why give Amazon the money when you can support local? Check them out. Use my link to get two books for the price of one. Now back to the episode. Nicole Glover works as a UX researcher in Virginia. She believes libraries are magical places and problems seem smaller with a cup of tea in hand. Her life outside of books includes bicycles, video games, and baking the perfect banana bread. The Conductors is her debut novel. She can be found at Nicole-Glover.com. Her second novel, The Undertakers, comes out today. Here's my conversation with author Nicole Glover. Nicole Glover, welcome to the Living a Life Through Books podcast. I'm excited to have you here. I'd be here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. So... I'm really curious. I mean, now I've read both your books and um, they're fantasy and historic fiction. Mm -hmm. How does that come together? Because I've, I talked to other authors and they're just like, 
you either stick with history or you stick with fantasy and you just put them both together and you're like, you know what, I'm going to run with this. So tell me the process about it. How does that work? All of that. I guess kind of to start with is that I don't really care about the rules sometimes when it comes to certain things. I don't mind mixing it up. A lot of my writing is like, what if? Like, what if this person does this or they do that or they go here or they go there? And I'm always interested by what ifs. And both both the books kind of came out of this what, what if situation. The conductors started out as just plain historical fiction about underground railroad conductors or doing their, you know, doing the stuff, bringing people to freedom. And you know, I was stuck on that idea for a while. And I was like, what if I add magic to it? Because I, I've always loved fantasy. I always, I always loved mystery and stuff like that. And I was like, no, I started thinking, what if? And that those what ifs kept growing and growing and it became a book. And it's really funny just how it just sprouted out basically. Because it's, like I said before, the other the original idea was I had it for several years, wasn't going anywhere. It was just like a short story that was like, you know, but it was like, a couple of paragraphs basically and once I added the, the magic into it it just my imagination just started growing and here we are. So you started off with this underground railroad just a concept you're like okay I want to write this and then you just got like okay fine now what kind of a thing and you got stuck mm-hmm. and then you just did a what if for the magic. Yeah it was the underground railroad as a the topic of history always interests me, and I've always was interested in things that come afterwards, typically the Reconstruction era. And I, these are really like these are really I'm always really good, really good at coming up with these big idea concepts. But like from where do you go from there? And that was the part I got stuck with. But adding the magic and they're adding things I loved in fantasy, I love the idea, idea of them like you know using magic in the world, developing this world where everyone can do magic. And you know, and I started thinking like, what do these characters do? Like you know, they, they can do magic. How do they? How do these former underground railroad conductors like you know live their lives in their current city? And I was thinking they're using magic, and I'm thinking, what if they solve mysteries with that magic? You know, what if they use that magic to, you know, like you know, dust for fingerprints or look for like magical residue or you know, all those little things like that, and just it just kind of bubbled up, and that just it just started. It, and also having the fantasy in there made it fun for me. I think in some ways, hist- going through history can be heavy at times, doing research, trying to. Be, or even just trying to be perfect to make sure that you're making things accurate as possible. Enough Absolutely. That the apps that, that, that people like, you know, the people with the basic level can't be like, oh, this is totally wrong. You have to have this car in 1870, basically. You to keep all the, all those things, but adding magic in there just made it fun for me to write, explore, and with my mind creatively in the way that I just stayed focused on the real world stuff, my, my mind was more narrowed with the, with the writing. So adding magic, let's talk about fantasies and fantasy books that consciously have played uh, a role in your book and or unconsciously, like after you wrote the book or something, someone else came in and said, hey, did you ever consider that this sigil is like a Patronus or whatever? And you're like, oh, that was unintentional, completely unintentional. So what it, you know, so what was conscious, what was unconscious? I'm just I think consciously I wanted to explore what magic looks like when everyone can do magic. A lot of the fantasy books I read is always like this one particular group can do magic, or it's band, 
or that these this group is ostracized, or maybe magic is dying. There's only so few people can do it. And I wanted to kind of toy with the idea: what if everyone has magic? And and second, my second thought is: what it looks like when everyone has magic? Because and I just started toying with the idea that it's kind of akin that magic is like you know language or music or dance. Every because there's everyone can do it. Everyone has a different, but everyone has different styles that's based off of different like uh, cultural histories, locations, all those things like that. So the magic manifests in like different styles. So I have like the main, I have the main characters who do celestial magic, which is kind of nature based, but it comes from the stars. There's lots of like potions involved with that's a, all the plants so that they can get to naturally. And but there's like the big contrast magic sorcery is a traditional like the wand waving incantation spell book strict rules and so so lots of and even though I don't touch a bunch of diff, about different magic systems in the world but I, I imply that there are different just outside of the main character's point of view that I, that hopefully will you know pop up some some places if they in the future but like it's like I like the idea that there is different types and then started thinking about how do people like interact with different styles of magic what kind of rules are there what kind of limitations and just just all this like fun little world building and then you see a sliver of it and that was that's how, that's mostly how I kind of tackled the the fantasy side of things and as, as particular influences I, I read a lot of books as a kid and a lot of a lot of the big classic fantasies that you can probably name and really obscure ones that I found in the library because I you know I read every read everything so I even read, read I made a good use of my public library school libraries and those free libraries that like get donated books randomly so I read a bunch of different things and I'm, I, I think it's just it got exposed to me different styles of magic exposed to me like how like how it made me think about how I want to display the magic in the world like so I what kind of methods I do. I also, I think really carefully about what methods I want the magic to be done because that influences how a story solves. I'm just going to be, it's going to be like a potion-based system. I got to think about how the magic is always potion-based. It's always about brewing stuff and gathering herbs and materials like that. And if it's going to be, if it's how, it's how strict I want the rules to be. And like in one particular project I'm messing around with for fun right now is that I, I think about like the idea is like a big a big component of the book is about their teaching magic to other people. And so I had to develop a system that they could be taught. It's not like, you know, wishy-washy, here's magic, here's magic happening. I had to give, I had to give myself a, little, a few ground rules because the big, the big theme is, you know, they have to teach magic. So I have to have some system that makes sense to u- utilize. So all so those we, little things come together. Are we doing that for the new book? Is, is there no. going to be uh, Hetty and uh, Benji teaching magic in the... Or, well, well, this is separate. This is something separate for fun right now. It's okay. like a, okay. it's, my, it's my, my fun little thing between breaks. But I guess it's, 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 it's funny you mentioned about teaching magic because that's another kind of theme I had in the books about right that because celestial, celestial magic is like something that kind of came together. There isn't really a lot of formal rules and writing about it. not really official self spell books yet. And I think one of the a future plot line I always imagined was that you get to see them kind of move towards a, a system like they have a magic school basically. Some far off future in this book, there's in this book's future, there's like there's a magic school with celestial magic developed. And whether or not Hetty and Benji are involved directly involved with it or the one of the friends are directly directly involved with it, I can't say at the moment. But I do know in the, in the in character's future there is some kind of magic school, which is yeah, because it's yeah, I, can, I guess it kind of draws back to me about wanting to 
Oh, it's tied thematically with the with the, with what the characters how they want to teach and understand and know. And even though they are really good at magic, they want to make sure everyone else can. And that's like another recurrent theme in some of the books about just getting access to other people to do to do magic and make sure everyone else can as well. Right, because you mentioned a lot throughout the book about how good Hetty is with mm-hmm. celestial magic. It's like do not mess with Hetty's yeah, celestial right. magic because it's like are you really going to con- compete with me on this and there's yeah. there's a lot of that and I like that the references to not everyone can do magic as well everyone has different levels within their magic uh-huh. systems so that was interesting yeah it's it's, I guess it's like in the little world building, it's also just showing the scale of the certain character, how they use, basically how much she used, how much she used to use the magic. Because she uses her magic a lot for, different, for a lot of different things. And it's, it's like with anything with normal skill, like, you know, there's great artists, artists out, painters out there in the world who do masterpieces. And there's like the casual artists like me, you can, you know, I can draw something that looks, you can tell it's a dog or a horse, but it's not like, I'm not going to sell it for hundreds of dollars. And that's how I was viewing magic as well. Everyone has different levels. And those was basically is is basically your your only limitations creativity. You just how much time and you know and skill is that all comes with practice basically. So anyone can be masters if they they try it long enough. So how do you keep all this together? How do you do you have a notebook? Do you have like sticky notes and being like, okay, rules of celestial magic, rules of sorcery, rules of potions, you know, and all the stuff and okay these are the levels of celestial man you know what do you do how do you yeah how do you keep it together i'm going to disappoint a lot of people in saying i don't really have a system i have ah. a i have like a i have a word document i basically i'll put all information in like some key things i want to keep track of like of what kind of what, what's like the scope of the magic and certain things like that but other than that it's kind of it's, it's also basically, I mean, we have a word document of everything together, and it's not like there's no sticky notes, no folders, or whatnot. Let's kind of go with it. I know, I, it's when I, I guess my most organized, organized, organized wise is like using things like Evernote that kind of collect like research topics and things of interest in like different notes just to have on hand. But you know, I just do a lot of like, uh, it's all in the Word document somewhere. I just put it all, and I, can, I refer back to it. And I actually did, I do, I usually often have it when I'm, whether I'm drafting, editing, or revising at any point, it's a document I can refer back to because he'll have like a list of, um, you know, character names, the major character names, basically. Um, some keys, like key, key facts, key location, a note second book. I actually wrote, since I m- mentioned a lot of different street names, for example, because it was a big thing about them. Um, map. Because you see, you see more of the city this time. It, right. It was, so I made sure to write down like what street names of importance to have on there, making sure, making sure, making notes, little notes for me saying this is where such and such happened and whatnot. Um, and then just, I, and stuff, and then I started, like with base general world building stuff. I actually even have like, a, at the end of it, like a document for a synopsis basically, which is, but I ended up breaking down by days. Like I, that, since the book takes place with a short period of time, I think this this Undertaker's about seven days, more or less. So I actually break down the like make key plots of the books by days. So I have like day one, day two, whatnot. Then I go back and decide whether what day of the week it is and tweak certain things around. And I'm really happy I stick with it because I think with the first book, I'd actually I missed somehow I missed the day when I was drafting. And then my my, my editor had pointed out like you missed such and such day. It doesn't really align. 
line up certain things. So I had to go back and like little make little tweaks. And it's 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 funny. It's yeah. That's how that's how much organization I get basically. So let's talk about this writing process. You you had this draft about the Underground Railroad that was going nowhere. You added magic, and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna. This is going someplace. I'm gonna do a novel. What did you do after that? Like, how did you end up finishing it? How long did it take you? And then what was your process? Okay. Like how many drafts, who helped you, all of that? Okay, I just, once I decided I was going to do magic to it, I think I spent maybe about a month, two months just doing the first draft of it, basically getting to the point where, you know, I'm happy with it. And I think from there, I think I let it rest. Then I worked on something else is what I often do. And so I went back with it, you know, just cleaned up a bit, then just started, I guess, I think I started the query process right away, I think. But in the meantime, I wrote seven of the little books. I have this, you know, like, the, you know, I think you're familiar with the Nano Marie month thing, every November, the writing content. Nano yes. I did my personal thing for seven months one year because I had these ideas for not just for like future books within this universe, but some of a different, a separate series at the time. Okay. So, so about seven months, I did like, you know, a first draft for each month. And so you were like, every month was NaNoWriMo for you? Yeah, for like seven months. And wow, so okay, was, okay, that's great. Okay, okay, got it, okay. Yeah, because yeah, for me, because I like, so I was thinking of writing a series. So the thing is, I like to have all the words out there so like before I mess with it. So my idea was, I'm going to get, my idea, my brilliant idea at the time was, I'm going to get all these drafts out. And because it was for two separate series too. And I was going to get all these ideas out so I could figure out what I'm going to mess with, what I want to work on. And that's what I did. And I'll tell you, I did get burned out by like month six or by month six, basically. But it was satisfying to have. So I, I wrote with, I, I wrote like draft ideas in say no notebooks. So it was nice to have like all six seven, or seven notebooks to stack on my desk at the end of it. And then knowing that I have done it, even though I haven't really touched some of these books, some of those stories at all. I think actually three, four of them actually ended up probably just tucked away until I'm never going to mess with them in, at all. But it was just the idea of practicing that writing out there. And I've actually have like stolen scenes from these, these stories that either integrated in the conductors or the undertakers or the, because I have, because, because in some ways it's like, I always feel like drafting is like brainstorming on a large scale. So I knew I had these certain, I had certain moods of certain scenes, certain scenes that I just kind of tweaked and, and like integrated into the story. And yeah, and it is, it's, it's, it's mostly it was a practice for me to get the, the words in I guess it was the intense writing and stuff so back to, by the time I went back to conductors I think by this time I had gotten a bite from an agent and saying like you know have you if you wanted to see what I did I was able to I guess revise it with a I guess stronger writing craft sense because I did all that you know I guess I had all the practice of all the, in the previous and and after getting an agent and stuff I think I did, did some more like revisions and stuff before we polished it up to go send out to the editor and even after that, there was still like after the edit, editor like you know, signed on this, basically said we're gonna let's sell this book, and like they still had like editing notes from there and right. all that stuff. And it, it was funny, like it, it helped to get better each time, and also see certain things I hadn't before, so that when I got into Undertakers, I had all these kind of skills to make go really made it really easier to get into that drafting process because that because unlike the conductors where I had like you know several years of like doing my own thing and like lots of months of thinking time. Undertakers was much more condensed time. And because I had, I had 
I, mostly because I was finishing up the conductor, like final revision stuff for the conductors while figuring out when to write the Undertakers because the Undertakers wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't initially had a plan for it because the other the initial, my initial viewer series was like different decades. Whereas this one was a direct sequel to the book, which I never really had a plan for, even though I had always had room and idea for more, more story ideas. And I basically had to figure out what I'm gonna do with it, even though I did find as I revised, revised the conductor, it's lots of cut ideas ended up becoming the undertakers in a sense. And so that made it one hand, one part made it easy. The other part was, you know, trying to write in a more condensed time period or knowing like, I guess it's more pressure since, you know, it has a book, the book's coming out more, it's more official than like, you know, me writing like for fun basically. And so it's like, it, it's really funny. It was like the undertakers was more condensed. It was like several months of like lots of work within like two or three months of certain parts of the year and then going back to it and revising and uh, doing what I call the rapid revision where I'm basically revising it like three or four times before like finishing like a full task as I like to call it going from from start to end whereas I'm just breaking breaks and going back and forth in the middle of the draft and whatnot and I don't know it, just, it was yeah it's a it, yeah it's, it's been a wild ride and it's enough that I'm like a surprise I'm still in shock the second book's already coming out this year Right. So you were doing these drafts. I mean, so NaNoWriMo, you were doing it for six months. I mean, yeah. you got burnt out in six months. Yeah. You were actually, were you physically writing or was this on a computer? Uh, I, what I did was I, since I, I since I work in full time and stuff, I would, during my lunch breaks, I have a little notebook I would sit out during the, at the li- local library, which is across, literally across the street from my workplace. I would draft out like, uh, you know, ideas for like the particular scenes for, for that. I was going to write that night when I got home from work. So it'd be like, you know, sometimes I'll write, write, maybe I'll start writing part of the scene or maybe I'll just like outlines notes of like key things I want to write in that scene. And I knew on Fridays, since weekends were always my big day to get most, most of the words in, I would like, you know, I would actually outline pretty much all I wanted to hit that weekend. And that really, that really helped because knowing, I guess I always see them as goalposts to reach, basically. And because I, and I, it's, it's just bring, getting those, bring, kind of brainstorming those ideas, at least to the drafting stages, like that really helped. And that's, that's the process that I, I like to, that I try, try to kind of keep in mind. You know, it's a little bit different now, so I don't have to, I, I don't really, I, I can't really go to live right now to sit down and write, do all those outlining and stuff. I still try to, I keep the sense of it now of still outlining certain points I want to hit. And it's just kind of knowing where, where I'm going, basically. So even though I, I'm not like a strict outliner, I don't have everything like out to the beat, to every beat, but there's certain story beats I want to hit. And yeah, I just kind of figure it out. And I know a big, a lot, I guess I always feel like a lot of my writing is more in the revision stage of things, because that's where I have, I know all my, all the words are out there, all my ideas are out there. I have, the, I have this full scope of the, of the book. And I do a lot of, sometimes I do in the revision, as I call it like breaking the book apart, where I rearrange scenes placing them earlier or later in the book because they oh, might wow. fit better fit better because of it was how things work so I think there was a scene in, in, the, in the conductors that started when they first like learned about boxing and boxing efforts and stuff like that it was actually later in the book and I actually and I saw that when we went further up into the book so it, it, it fit better with some relevations I wanted to work with it and it just worked ah. out perfectly like I planned it and there's lots of things like that because your your mind's just always thinking and putting these connections, and I'm always amazed when I'm like I rearrange these to a certain scenes, and it just makes more sense. So it's more like it's me figuring what's the or- what the correct order for the story. Even though sure. I write like I try to write sequentially, I like 
I end up mixing things around and the revision part because I, I feel that certain scenes might fit better or it, or makes it or maybe breaks up the mentality of certain scenes that are on. But I wanted to like, I, I like try to vary certain different scenes but, or the, the different characters and whatnot. So, okay, so you got your draft, yeah. you're working on it, you do several, mm -hmm. you know, you get it to where you like it. And then how did you get an agent? Like, did you just, just query letters or what did you yeah. do? Or like, it was just a bunch of query letters for a while. I think it's, I think I was querying for about a full year before I got my agent. And actually it switched to, to different projects. A full year? Done. You were querying yeah. agents for a full year. So how many rejections did you get, girl? I, yeah, I, I, I didn't count them. I just, I have a folder in my email that I could collect them all in. But uh -huh. you know, I didn't count them. It was quite a bit. I started enough that I started, I still recognize some of the agents that that passed on stuff now. Just just you remember certain things for some reason. But right. yeah, it's and I actually got lucky in the way because she has changed agencies at the time. And so okay. when she moved to a different agency, I guess she found my stuff and you know, stuff. And I kind of that's when she sent out an email blast saying, like, I'm so I'm interested in her initial query, like what's you is what is it still is it still free? This book still like you know, give, can I see this basically? And we just started talking from there. So it was like it's a very, it was like you know it's a very good moment because actually at that time I was getting ready to like completely put aside the conductors for like focus on something entirely different because I think why don't you do Amazon or something? Uh, I mean, I I think a big dream for mine has always been like published like a traditional publisher be on sure. like be on a bookshelf and library be available everywhere and whatnot it's I guess that's my thing too and I think also I found like self-publishing is like a lot more work than I wanted to do <laughs> with writing all the marketing publicity and stuff and mm -hmm. I was like no, I just want to do write I want to write maybe do some minimal stuff and this that sort of thing okay no no it, it's totally yeah. fair uh, because I mean I'm working on a book and I mean, yeah. I haven't even queried agents yet and I'm yeah. kind of in a holding pattern right now, but you know, people are like, why don't you just do Amazon? And I'm kind of like, I haven't even started the agent thing. Yeah. And it's kind of like you said, I'm like, I don't know. I just want a book, a traditional <laughs> publisher, but then yeah. there are people who publish with Amazon and they're like, this is so wonderful. So that's why I was wondering. Yeah. It's, just, it's different style. I think it's just, it's figuring out what you want out of certain things, what your goals are, and, and that's how you figure out what's better for you, whether it's traditional, whether it's self-publishing, or, or I guess there's a new thing like a hybrid, people who tradition, traditionally publish, but also self-publish things right. inside, particularly things that might be a harder sell to publishers. I'm told hybrid is really not a good way to go, is what I'm yeah. told. Yeah, at least probably, I guess I think it's, I feel like it's more like if you have like a, a, a readership base, basically you have a bunch of fans that will follow you, like that's, that's where it's probably be really good if you want if you're going to do hybrid but that's just from my outside point of view of things but yeah it's yeah it's it's all these there's just, I guess it's because there's, there's so many choices that makes it like hard to figure out what you want to do exactly like whether you want to stick with like, short stories or like, novels or even like things like novellas and everything there's all these different options to figure out what's your like what's your niche what's figuring out what's best for you and and I guess also figure out what you want because I think that's a I think that's what I found is my years, my couple, a couple of years of being, being like, you know, in the moving in the, the published writers, like figuring out like, what do I want? What my expectations are like, and, and there's kind of vocalizing that. Cause I think a lot of times you don't always vocalize it. So you get, that's when you get all these anxiety feelings of like, you know, not getting certain things aren't happening, certain goals and this figuring out what they are, it's helpful. So who's, um, 
your favorite character? Who did you love writing about in your book? I used to, to say it's Hetty, my favorite. She's, I mean, she was the one I spent most time with. She's the main point of view character. Then it's just a lot of good fun. She's like, you know, the go-getter. She'll do certain things. She sees it as a problem. She can tackle it. Uh, she's, you know, she's a storyteller. And like me, she likes to collect stories, like to hear things, like to twist things around. You know, she likes to tease her friends and everything like that. And, you know, she's really great at magic. And she's really proud that she's great at magic. And she's even confident about her skills being a dressmaker being like that she was like you know I'll quit a job basically I can get something I can get other work elsewhere because I'm that great and you know it's like you know this is the person that will we won't say these truths people other people might not want to point out because it's like it's really obvious to her like why like you know beat around the bush so she's a lot of fun to to, to write and and I think that's why she just ended up being the main point of view. I think at one point I was going to like write different like a, a multi-point of view but she just has such a personality and characters that like I and I had to stick with this point of view. It's, it's great. Okay. Okay. Do you have a favorite scene? Uh, favorite scene. Oh, let's listen. Because I think one of my favorite things, my favorite, one of the things that ended up being my favorite thing to write was in the, in the middle of the book, when they go on an excursion, they basically they go out to like, you know, kind of a, a kind of a country fair kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. They're out and it will, it's seen a little scenery change from in New Jersey and stuff like that. It's like, a, it's a break from the mystery stuff, but not at the same time, because I somehow I, I managed on the craft side that wrap in a bunch, all those different subplots together from like the mystery stuff to like the personal subplot art mm -hmm. and everything like that. But it was also fun for me to include them, like, you know, Henny Benji going around debunking like the festival games or like that, basically saying these games are rigged and, you know, have them playing them and whatnot and just interacting with them like in the fun in a fun way that pushes the, the romantic subplot, but also allows the reader to see the characters in a little bit different light because it's always been like, you know, before then, it's like, you know, it's all about the work business, about, you know, mystery solving, whatnot. And I was to have a little fun. You know, I stuck in a, stuck in a little bicycle race. I, I, love, I, like, I love bicycles. I love riding my, my own bicycle. And uh, having a bicycle race was fun for me to add in there for different things like that. And just all the interaction in that chapter was a lot of fun to do. Like, I, I brought in some historical stuff. I brought in, like, all the, like I said, like all the arcs together. Just it was just very great fun for me. So, what do you hope your readers will get out of your book? Uh, first, I guess it's the idea that you can have fun with history. You can take fun, so you can add magic. You can add like fantastic elements. You don't always have to worry about the hundred percent of a historical accurate. It's, you can also, and also can look at time periods that, you know, aren't really covered as much, particularly in black history. There are lots of, there's a lot of feeling that yeah, black history has to be presented in a certain way, where you can have fun with, you can add magic, you can have murder mysteries, you know, you can add, you can add different aspects of that. And, and I guess the larger aspect of it is that since I'm tackling an area of history that's not really talked about, but I'm also looking in, not just from like a, the politi political side of things, I'm looking at, you know, these characters living their lives, basically a large portion of this book is that even though they're solving mystery and there's magic, it's about them, their interactions with their friends, their family, in the community, and just seeing, they're giving a peek of like, you know, what their lives might could, could possibly have been back that time. And it's no, it's not like doom and gloom all the time. They're like, you know, they're they're having fun. They're all those different things going on. Good deal. Um, so your book, Conductors, I think, pretty sure Conductors, I did it as an audio book, and I. Mm -hmm. The Undertakers, I did it as like 
an ebook. I really, for me, I can't tell the difference. Once I either listen to the book or read it, yeah. I can't remember. Like, I'm like, did I do it this way or that? But, but the oh. question is, yeah. audiobook narrators, did, how do you pick them? Or did yeah. you kind of like ever think about it going, oh, I want an audiobook. I want this. Yeah. I want this. Or it's just like, no, I had nothing to do with it. My publisher did all that. Yeah, oh, it's, I guess in larger scope, I always, I got into reading audiobooks fairly recently. And so I always knew I wanted an audiobook. So I was really happy that the publisher said that they were going to do an audiobook because I was like, that's, that's really great. And I, they, they auditioned people for, I guess, to narrate. And they ended up, they came with me two, two choices, basically. I got, I got MP3 files of two, of two potential choices. And I was told, you know, give these a list and, and pick which one. And so I was happy that I recognized the audiobook narrators and I, being like, yes, I know that both these people, I know what they can do. So I came in there thinking like, you know, this is what they are. And I got the, got the chills of listening to my, like my story, someone else other than like the computer reading my story, like actually hearing someone. And so I know I basically picked which one and they spent days and they did all the work from there basically. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I, it, I was really, really keen about the audiobook stuff. I was like, you know, it's, it's is you feel like it's the one way to have it come to life because because really good audiobook narrators can make it feel like you're you know you're you're watching a movie in your mind basically or like a play or something like that right right yeah oh absolutely absolutely um so you talked a lot about going to the library and you know coming back and all of that Mm -hmm. Tell me about your um, relationship with books. Like when you were young, when you were a child, what is your relationship with books? What's your favorite childhood memory of books and words and all of that? Yeah. Let's go back history. Yeah. Wow. It's, I guess I could say that my, I've always been surrounded by books. I my grandparents were teachers and then my grandmother taught me how to read and everything like that and always since and they, they gave and they also gave us a bunch of books like you know just little like from children's books and whatnot and there's always been books and I guess I don't know when I'd I'd just always read a bunch of stuff I always I would never like a little school library of like in the classroom library sets I would you know I'd pull out a bunch of books to read I remember at one time, like being really into the Magic School Bus book series, and so I had pulled out all the little the books at one time, was reading and reading all, reading them, just reading them and whatnot. And you know, I just always, I've always read, like always read, read anything that's interesting to me. Probably read things younger that I probably was too young to read because they just subject matter or just things above my head. And I, I had stopped at some point. I just stopped counting all the books I've read because there was just too many. But sometimes I try to revisit some older ones because. When you're younger, like certain things like just pass by, you just don't remember it. I never, when the, I guess Golden Compass was coming, when the first season was coming out, I was like, you know, right. I remember reading, I remember reading the books. I remember reading all three of them. And, but so I went back to read the first one. I was like, I don't have any memory of this book at all. <laughs> and like, I know I read it. I know I read it because it was a big deal when those books were coming out. But I was like, I have no memory of this thing. And even, I guess even now, I'll remember from the last, the last book was the the crazy aliens with the on the wheels and that's all I really remember like there's like certain things to remember and it's always fun to revisit like older books and I know I, I know in the past couple of years I got I get interested in like rereading some older books that has been a while and right particularly ones I have kept with me I don't I have a fairly small like a bookshelf of things I mostly kind of I guess like 
I keep I keep all the books you know spark the joy basically I just keep a few books that have like fond memories of or ones I want to revisit or just things I read that just resonated with me at a certain point so I don't have like a lot of books like all the books because I so most mostly because I do you utilize the library a lot like all my books all my all my current always comes from the library and sometimes I'll go pick up a I'll buy a book if it means something or I really enjoyed it and like enough that I want to have it in the bookshelf and yeah it's yeah, it's a lot of stuff. I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to say like which particular books are like resonated the most. It's just like, it's always like certain things. It's like it's it's like it's like corpulent things. I know, lot like uh, there was a I know it's, like, it's this thing that kind of stick with me. Like a I, there was like the there was an old there was like a health science book that I read as a kid like called Blood Bone and Body Bit. It's basically it's basically about like you know telling kids how like how how your body works and have like, mm-hmm. little cartoon graphics. And I just want to remember bits of it, like, you know, this, you know, because it taught me, because it, you know, taught me things that, like, you know, like about diseases, about, like, how muscle groups work, and sometimes I'll re- reflect on certain things. And, like, it's, it's about just randomly popping my mind about certain, like, just certain facets about things. And that's how I see a lot of the, uh, the books. Like, there's, like, I read as a child, but this random scenes that just come to mind that kind of inspire me. And there's, like, and sometimes have, sometimes have larger impacts. Like, uh, I was really big into, like, a, uh, for those like all those little history books, like Dear Diary books and the American Girl series, and the American mm-hmm. Girl series, and particularly the Ad Walker series, was kind of worked its way into the conductors because the main character Addie Walker was, you know, a, a former a former slave runaway, ended up in Philadelphia, and like you know those little things that kind of even though I wasn't consciously thinking about it, it made right. it worked its way into the conductors. So a little so a lot of those little like little nods. Once I was more once I was more conscious of that, like those little nods those certain things but yeah it's, I always liked reading different things and enough yeah it was, I, I tried to try to read different genres always as, as always and it's, I always had a big love of fantasy and the fantasy science fiction I've mentioned before so I've read like a lot of the big stuff and I've also gotten into like comic books as well graphic novels ah and enough because there's just, it's just always it's always a different way to tell the story basically and right and it's, 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 yeah, it's always just fun to sit in different styles and what, what works, what doesn't work. And, and I, and yeah, it's, I don't have too many favorites on the graphic novel side, but it's, yeah, I always enjoy reading them because it's just, it's a different way to just tell a story and certain things. But yeah, lots of books all the time, everywhere. I'm really intrigued by, I'm looking at your background. You've got the uh, cover. Yeah, those conductors those, and undertakers, but they're different covers. You've got two different covers to conductors and two different covers yeah. to undertakers. Yes, yeah, so one of them is the UK version. The the two different ones. Yeah, there's the two the, the I guess the teal and the red ones are the UK covers, and those ah. are gifts for my for my parents for my birthday gift. So they're trying to figure out what they're gonna get give, give give to me, and they're like, let's get you pictures because uh, for my my family for some reason we celebrate by putting our compliments on the wall, basically. Okay. my grandfather used to have all the clippings of like newspapers of things we've done and pictures of like for me and for my sisters and my, my mother and her and her siblings they're always they're always on the wall and I guess we do that now I guess we still it's a thing we our family does we put stuff on the wall so they wanted to celebrate because my family is you know I wanted to write and be an author for a very long time oh so it's like it's a it's, it's I guess it's a big deal for me is it's, it's for them or for them, like, for the having it come out and stuff like that. Like my mom took the supportive, like she bought a bunch of books. She already told me she pre-ordered the Undertakers already and whatnot. And 
And I was really happy to kind of to get these to have on the wall this tonight. And I was also, actually, I was wondering for a while what to put on that corner of the wall anyway. And so then she showed up with these. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. How did she find, like, she just took the picture and blew it up and made well, it? No, she asked. No, she asked. Oh, well, she since she got it sent. Someone she got someone sent to print them basically because she had asked me like a, a a few weeks before she did this. Like, can I see the covers? And because we're my family's doing some like another like a we do a Thanksgiving thing and there's mm -hmm. a there's like a we do like a thing of comp, a comp your family just gives her accomplishments basically. So I thought sure. that was for that basically. Like she's gonna do some like a put together some accomplishment thing for the family. But no, she just she was doing this basically. And she basically out of the blue asked for the covers for something. And so she basically, I think she sent it off. She, I forget where she sent it off to, but it got somebody to print it up to the size and framed it and everything for me. That's really cute. I love it. Just absolutely love it. So yeah. who do you look up to? Like who is your who are your heroes? Who do you follow and why? I don't think I have a particular hero. I, was, I don't know, I think it's just. I guess I could, I guess more of a blanket statement, more like the, I guess a lot of the historical heroes and whatnot. I know, I remember being asked, being asked a similar question way, way back in middle school, because they're asking about like this heroes and stuff like that. And I couldn't think of anyone. And I think I just found, randomly found someone like a, I think it was like Bessie Coleman, the, the aviator at the time. And I think I was just doing, I guess, I don't know how she popped up in my search for certain things, but it's just, I guess being in, being honest of the character I never heard about, person I never heard about, being like, you know, that's a pilot of a time that's difficult. difficult. And I guess I think of, think of her of like in other historical figures that she kind of slipped through the cracks of, you know, of doing great things that you didn't really think about, whether it's like, you know, selling poetry or doing, being an actress somewhere, traveling around the world. All these like, these, these I guess, so, so-called obscure historical figures that she never hear about. So I was, I guess kind of look, I look up to that because figuring, knowing that they accomplished certain things despite like whatever limitation they had at the time period. So that guess is more of a broad, broad thing. Sure, no, it's fine. It's just, yeah. you know. Um, so if you could have a superpower, what would it be? I mean, especially since you've written these magical books, I'm yeah. just curious. I think uh, it's a cross between flight and the power of like become a levitation. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Flight yeah. for obvious reason for travel to you know get certain things. Even just floating and hovering around, that's kind of cool. And this and levitation abilities. I guess you know it. it, it you probably noticed in the books that I have papers and books flying around a lot. Yes. Because I, it's, it's that's something I really want in my real life. Because I have always carrying all these different things. It'd be nice to have them to float around my head to like you know it's there and I don't have to mess. I don't have to carry it or anything like that. So those those are. I guess those are the kind of powers I'm intrigued by. Cool. So you're just gonna, you just want powers where you could just levitate things and or yourself and just kind yeah. of float. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, okay. Okay. Uh, that's pretty cool. So, um, so tell me, who is your favorite, who are your favorite authors? Who do you really like enjoy reading? Well, right now I'm reading P. Jelly's Clark's and Masters and Master and Jen right at the moment. Since okay. I always I loved his novellas from the, from the start because they're mm -hmm. like masterclass of like you know getting enough all this all this information in a tiny little package. 
and like it's, it makes you want more books and like thinking you have like you sunk into like a big old tomb of stuff and so I'm, I'm excited to I'm excited to work my way through his, his first full-length novel and just all this detailed information makes feel real I'm also a big fan of Rebecca Rowan Horse I was guys yeah, I loved her debut novels but I especially love Black Sun which came out last year oh yes like, a, like it's, it's everything I want in epic fantasy basically like a, just is not because it's not that it's not focused on European like a medieval right. England. It's like it's different cultures, but it also feels very real. Like it's it exists at some point. It feels very realized, and even though there's a lot of complex things thrown in there, it's just it's just it feels like it's it's it feels like I already knew knew about it already. It's like comforting in some ways, and the end and climactic scene is like everything I ever wanted for for in, in a book. It's like it's like it was that great. And it also was really great with the book. It's even though it's like the first of a planned trilogy, I believe. Okay. I wasn't like, I'm satisfied where, I'm satisfied. I wasn't like rushing to get the second book, but I'm like, I wanted to like be able to let it sink in and, and like right. feel satisfied with it and everything like that. So even though I really am excited for the next book coming out, I think it's April. I have to check. But it's like, it's, it's, it's really all around great book. And yeah, it's like everything I ever wanted, epic fantasy, I never really verbalized until I read it, basically. <laughs> I need to reread that one. I've read it. I yeah. just need to reread it. I have it on audio, so uh. yeah. It was, I think I, had, I I was actually a mix. Like I think I started the audiobook, but my book came in, and like I switched between you mm. know, it's like it's and yeah. I think also is a good use of like different narrators for like an audio book as well. It's like yeah, it's probably great fun. Right, very different of, magic yeah. systems in that one. Um, yeah, absolutely. So how has your life changed now? I mean, are you still, are you working or are you like full-time author? How, how's life different? Uh, I guess the big difference I did was I decided to change my, move apartments basically. Okay. I like it. Well, it's, it's, the thing is, it's the, when I got the, the I got my, when I got the advance, basically, I was at the point where I was finishing off paying off my loans. And I think I actually got, when I got the deal and stuff, I, I didn't cry, but I was near, I felt a surge of emotion of that. Because even though I was working towards it, having, having this money come in, basically, this, it, it sealed the deal, basically. I didn't have to think all those, all the little plans I was doing to save and whatnot. Because I was aggressively trying to pay it down. Because mm -hmm. for personal reasons, because you know, I was sure, yeah. getting it down. Absolutely. And just getting that coming in, it was like, it's great. And also, it also spurred me to move my apartments because my previous apartment, I was, you know, I might, I stayed maybe a little bit longer than I, I probably should, should have, but it, like, it basically pushed me saying like, no, it's time to make change. It's time for changes, basically. But like, other than that, you know, it's, um, it's basically, I still work, I still work full time. I need to, I think that I always, it's it, because even though you get money from writing it's not always consistent and always long lasting and you know it's the it's like it gives you an extra cushion for a certain thing and I also like the breaking up of certain things like there's times where I would take a lot longer vacation time from work to write mm -hmm. and I I, I I guess I would kind of enjoy I do kind of enjoy having more time to freely like you know write throughout the days or the week and stuff but at the same time it's like I so I get used to the structure like you know I'm, uh -huh. I write I write in the evening write in the weekend so these times when I would take off his time to work, I spend like the morning, maybe part of the afternoon, not really writing and stuff because I'm just, it's just, it's not, I'm, I have a certain, a certain structure I'm used to. But I go back and forth. I mean, it is a dream to you know, be able to write full time, but it is nice to have like a, a, think about something else for a while and then get into writing. Because I guess 
it allows certain ideas to, to move around the background. I don't know, I guess other than that, like there's some smaller things of like, you know, I think I bought more books or I'd be able to upgrade certain things, you know, like, like, a, like, it's like, I guess another big thing, like I got, I got a new computer one. Yeah. Yeah. Came in. And I like, could, you know, it's my, my computer that I was, I'd, I wrote the first book on. And it went through a lot for, for the years I had it. Like, sure. Several, I think it went through a new hard drive, several keyboards, not, not different keyboards. Um, this, it went through a lot, basically. I think it was on the batteries. It went through like three different battery packs. And like it was on this last leg and it was starting sure. to come apart. Like, you know, as I got the thing is like, you know, when the money comes, even when it's not a lot, it's like it's, you know, I get I got a new, new laptop. But, you know, I was able to right. get storage on things I kind of put aside, thinking like maybe I should get this later and stuff like that. And like this little those little things basically I think of that you just like it's I don't know, it's I don't know, it's it's also different. I think another thing that's changed with writing is being more aware of like when books come out. Like before I'm like oh, a new book's coming out. That's when I, I only think, I thought that when I see it on the stack in the library and I come to realize that like a lot of time in the library, it takes you know, several months for to come out on the new, the new stacks basically. Whereas now it was being like, I'm in the writing world, I'm more aware of like the exact dates coming out to market basically. And which is, I wasn't really aware of before. Like, I think I always had like a general idea of like when, unless it's like a book I'm really anticipating, but otherwise I'm like, you know, when it comes, it comes. But now I'm like, I'm just conscious aware of certain books coming out. And whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's like so it's smaller things, but they're mostly about the same, basically. And I I do think I guess my uh, my ability to think of ideas and kind of draft and write as it's craft-wise has changed a lot in the years since I got the Duke deal and to now. Because I had like I found like some of the current projects I'm working on, I draft differently, I draft faster, I draft more of a concise idea. I'm more keen to realize what certain ideas are working and what's not working or things are more or more like uh, these things I should put aside because I think last year I was trying to write a middle grade fantasy novel. I had a really I wrote some really cool characters, had a really interesting magic system, had an interesting kind of world. Mm-hmm. But I went back and forth so many times to realize, yeah, it's not it's not working. And I can't and I kind of figured out kind of pinpoint where it's not working, but not enough to fix it to where I want it to be. And so I decided, you know, it's I've I decided to you know put it aside. And that was something years in the past, I would kind of let linger. Because my some parts of things I've worked on before the conductors, I think I had this one steampunk novel. I must have, I worked on like, you know, maybe about three or four years. Mm-hmm. And I revised it, revised it, read from up and down, like, you know, 10 different ways and possibly, right. possibly more. But I couldn't just let it, I couldn't let it go. I had to keep going back to it, even though I knew it was nothing was working with it. <laughs> and like, you know. And so basically that's, yeah. And like, you know, now it's like, you know, now I'm more quicker to say this is not working. This is not work. This is working. This is not working. And just the, the, cause I always have, I always have a list of ideas I want to work on next. And I think a big deal was for me earlier this year was saying like, these were, these, these were in the past potential ideas I want to write on. But now I realize these aren't really what I want to work on or certain, there are certain, only certain parts of it I want to work on. And I go meld in something else. This is actually what um, the little thing I'm currently working on right now is like it's an offshoot of like part of an idea here and there that I just mm-hmm. like you know I I took the core aspect I wanted to work on and and decided this is what this is I made it something new basically, which is I know it's very vague. I can't really I'm not really naming specific details, but it's more of just me just recognizing what parts that I really want to work on and. Be more quicker to say this is not working. It's not work. This this isn't working for me. Or 
it's not the right time to work on this basically, which is something I never did, wasn't able to do before. So do you have any regrets about being an author, any challenges, any thoughts about that? No, no, not at all. I think it's, you know, it's a, I always wanted to be an author. It's always like the, always, I, te- I used to tease my parents saying it's just plan B. Because like, but it really was always plan A. Like, you know, it's like everything else I've done, like all the going to school and, you know, getting other jobs like that. That's just to support the writing dream, basically. So, yeah, that's having, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's you know, I guess it's, it's kind of, it's the very, the, the start of the things, but, you know, it's, I, it's, it's something I always wanted to do and I want to keep keep on doing it no matter what happens with it. So. Oh, I totally hear you on that. It's yeah, that that's really cool. So if you had to advise someone who's writing, what advice would you give them? It's a lot of different things of kind of write what you love, write what you like, what you enjoy learning about, talking about, seeing I have to think about what other people like to write, write into the market, basically. Just you know, write what you enjoy, write what you like, because you you're going to spend a lot of time with this book. And so it's better to write about something you, you really like than something that you, you don't only kind of half like, because you have to, you're going to have to look at it, revise it a bunch of times before it's all done. And I guess also try not to get too locked into a certain like view of the book. Because it's even though it might feel like it's all locked in, but you know, books always are always changing. It, it gets even to the very end. Like I was like always changing when I'm writing to near the end, so it's finalized. It's like it's not done until it's in print, basically. So feel free to change certain things around and to ponder the what ifs of situations and kind of feel free to like you know break against go against all those you know those hard driven rules. Because there's no rules with writing. There's things people tell you that it works for them. So what was um, difficult to write in your book? Were there any, there any like challenges to write in your book? I think one, I guess one, I guess one part is figuring out the best way to integrate certain historical aspects on which ones, the pieces I want to put in there. Uh, and there's, I think others, other things, some of it was craft-wise, kind of trying to articulate, getting the scene, that in my mind and what works on the page. There's a lot of, like, I guess a lot of times, like I would, there's certain scenes I would like revise a bunch of times. So there's like, there's one pivotal moment in the, the book. I guess I had revised about, I guess maybe about 10 or 15 times trying to get it to write because it didn't feel right when I was going over it. And it's always, it's funny. It's always comes down to me shortening, shortening the sentence, whether it's dialogue or the, or the description on the page instead of like making it longer. It's cutting it, making it short always, always works. I think I think I always have the core idea. I just trying to, to do too much with it. But and I, I think also just, um, it's also trimming down too. Because I think I, I tend to write long too. So I was figuring out to kind of shorten things down and trying to be concise and trying to get muddled with certain things. Isn't that the editor's job? <laughs> Yeah, it is, but sometimes it's also your your editing part too. It's like figure out what the, where to make the cuts because they can they can buy say you should cut by you know x amount of words or maybe to cut out this thing, but figuring out like what's the best. And I guess it's I guess in some ways I mean you get some sometimes you get like there's certain chapters like this is your baby because the unique works on the certain things or it feels everything feels important, but you have to figure out like what's working, what's more indulgent. Because I know there's sometimes there are certain scenes or maybe. A, 
there was a certain chapters I would write that were or indulgence on my part, like you know, whatever it is with topic or just certain things. And they go back and be like, "Is it really? Is it really important? Is it move something?" And there's <laughs> it's a, like, "No, it yeah. doesn't, but I want it." <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You like figure out what what it is. And there was a there was actually a point in the Undertaker's that there was one aspect of of like a scene that they're like, "My," it was like, "Do we really? Does it really need to be like this? Does it really need to be this magical X, this extra magic right here over here?" And I was like, "This is definitely." I was like, "I need." I wrote this scene because I wanted to add these certain aspects to it. So I was gonna stick with it, and and like it's it's, it's just kind of figuring out what like what works, what doesn't work, and figuring out like how much is you thinking it, and getting some other outside opinions, and and also a lot of times it's like other out because you get when you're doing the editing process, you get you get a bunch of different voices, whether it's your agents, whether it's your editor, the copy editors, they all different opinions, different scenes, and everything like that, especially and, and just figuring out what works for you and figuring out like a what maybe there's some places where they, they are right and maybe you're wrong or certain thing. It's trying to figure out what's your overall vision and finding something like when you can ignore everything and just write what you want to write. <laughs> and yeah, there's all those all those different things. Do you have any um writing bucket lists, author bucket lists? What do you do you have anything that you need to check off? I I don't know. I know. I did know I wanted to do a graphic novel for for a while now. I guess because I got into reading a lot of the graphic novels, and I think it's probably because I had an idea, an older idea I had for a while, been kicking around. It's like you know, I realized like at some point, I think last year, like this would be great as a graphic novel. So I'm trying to figure out like you know how to get this get the work because especially since it's like more of it's not fantasy, it's more of like you know regular real life. Fiction. Oh wow. Yeah, it's like you know, starting so, so, so it's out of my a little bit out of my established wheelhouse. So like, how am I get this to work? Because it's it's not like fancy, but it's a graphic novel. But you know, it's just I'm still. I mean, I haven't written. It's I have it's still like more of an idea phase. But you know, I really like the idea of doing a graphic novel for some reason. And I don't know. I guess it's an option because I used to play around with doing like TV scripts, movie scripts when I was like just like doing other stuff. And I found that those didn't really work for me because I think I have too many. I always add too many characters to TV scripts. There's right. a reason why there's like certain ensembles of shows are only like five characters. So like even when they get married in the show, they only have they have no friends that come to the wedding because you have to put an actor in those two roles. Right. Whereas I'm used to the novels where you can have you can have hundreds of people in the book and it doesn't matter because you don't have to pay anyone to be there. Correct. And right. You just keep adding characters. Yeah, it's just adding. And with this graphic novels at least. It's like it combines everything. You can see the people, you have the visual aspect of it. You can have many characters you want as, as you can get an artist to draw, draw these certain things. But you know, just like little things like that. I think there's like, you know, a few, I, I got IPs I wanted to write. And I guess for some reason, I really want to write for the American Girl series, mostly because, mostly because of childhood stuff, but mostly because I realized looking at the website, they, they don't have a 1920s book. They had every decade before and after. And I was oh, like, really? They do. They have yeah. They have all of them now. So I was it's because they 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 had added more books since I once I outgrew them. And I was like mm-hmm. they have every decade. I mean they're even going to the 80s now, but they have like every decade between like you know early well not I guess for at least for the for the 20th century they have every nearly every decade between like 1900 to 1980, except for 1920. And I was like, where is this book? <laughs> so I kind of want to just to fill in that gap because it bothers me. But that's just, I don't know if that's it's a long shot, but you know just. It just, it's a gap I like to see filled for some reason. But, you know, just 
I guess it's always dreams. I don't know if there's been particular IPs. I know, I guess Graf, Ryan Grafnell, we've been writing for a comic for like a, one of the big comic pub publishers. He kind of nice. It's just the different ways of things. But I guess other than as a, other like a more novel prose stuff, I know, I guess the things that I've been writing or planning to write are already on my bucket list. It's just more of a, you know, just getting it finished and getting, getting it to the right publisher. So I guess it's right. good mm -hmm. at least. Because I always like I always have a bunch of ideas for different things. So I guess it's this is more of me getting having the time to finish them up. So what does success mean to you? Um, it's it, it changes a lot. I think at some point, I think I think at the key, I'm always like the success is me knowing that my book is on the library shelf somewhere, that it's on the it could be it's found in the bookstore somewhere that he picked up, it can be found. I mean, even if it might end up in the secondhand shop somewhere, just knowing that it's out there, that someone could stumble across it, someone who, like me, who, like, read a bunch of everything and didn't really care about the author's, like, social media presence or follow them or all this and stuff. Like, they just found them randomly in the wild and just enjoyed the book and knowing that I could be someone's pleasant memory. I mean, Aww. that's, like, kind of the key. That's kind of the key stuff. And, you know, there's also big picture stuff. Like, who wouldn't want, like, a big movie adaptation or, you know, a video game or something like that? Those are all, like, I guess those, those are also nice, too. But I guess at the end of the day, I'm, like, I like the idea that my books, the words are out there in the world. And some will make a happy memory of it for someone. Well, that that is very beautiful. So before we close out, I have one last question for you. So describe your book in three words. Solving murders with magic. Okay. 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 Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Okay. That's like, good deal. Good deal. So thank you so much for coming on and spending time with yeah. me. I uh, really appreciate this. This was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I hope you got something from that conversation still extremely busy, but I'm working on a couple of upcoming episodes. One is my experience at Her Spirit Story Summit Writers Retreat. Book Club for November is And the Mountains Echoed. That should be fun. And I have been working on an episode about a teenage boy who wrote an email to an author regarding a character name. Those are the episodes in the works. Yes, I am losing my mind. It's been super busy on my end, both personally and professionally. And I thank you for being patient with me. I don't know if you can tell. I'm a little sick right now. My voice is not completely there, but I really wanted to get this episode out. You can reach me at livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time. <laughs>